Amen. Good morning, Identity Church. Everything's good in the back. Awesome. Well, I hope everybody had a good week. I know some people have been on vacation. I, I mean, the, the middle row over here looks like y'all are rested or either crispy. I don't know. I came back from vacation crispy, so I understand that. But do you know that in, in vacation, we're supposed to have a good time, right? We're supposed to we're supposed to relax and, and do the things that we probably didn't do. You know, I found that vacation is work, you know. I come back to work in order to, like, rest, you know, uh, and get back in the groove. And so, you know, the summer is good to go and do those fun things with your family. Go build the memories. Memories is work. You know, I, I'm going to say this again. My, my sister's back here in the back. She should have been a party planner. If, if it was anybody in here that probably it, she could party plan, she works hard. And we had like a birthday party last night and she did all this great stuff. It was work. But you know what? We're going to remember that forever. You know, that's the good thing about working is that we get something out of it. If you work and you don't get anything out of it, then you're going to have a problem. You know that I think that it's important for us to work hard, not only at our job, but we need to work hard on ourselves. We need to work hard on our family. We need to work hard on going to vacation. We need to work hard and play hard. You know, one of the things that we, we get to do that with is we get to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. You know, I love what I'm going to teach on today because what I'm teaching on today is a part of my identity message. And the, the Lord showed me something years ago about my identity that we, have, we are made in the image of God, that God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many people knows that to be true? Amen? Well, then we're, we're also made in His image. Now, God doesn't have ears, and He doesn't have a nose, and He doesn't have a mouth or eyes, right? God is a spirit. You know how we're made in His image? Is that we're a three-part being just like He's a three-part being in one. We have a spirit and we have a soul that lives in a body. And see, that's the reason why I love this so much because if we don't know our part, then we start putting the word in the wrong place, right? Sometimes we start trying to, we start trying to believe God with the body and not using our soul. Sometimes we start trying to lean on our body rather than we lean on the spirit of God. And see, that's one of the reasons why over the last few weeks when I've been teaching on the life of God, when we talk about the life of God, I took you from love to hope, and then Heather finished it up last week with faith. <clears throat> now, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, everybody knows that one, especially if you've been here the last few weeks. Now, by faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And that word greatest is mezzanon, and it means the first it means if I was going to put them in order, love was going to be number one. And then number two is going to be hope. And then from hope, we're going to go straight into faith. But if you don't have love, then you don't have hope. And if you don't have hope, then you don't have faith. Just a little recap, because I know some of y'all may not have been here. But do you know that in all of this, we're trying to understand our place in the, in the body of Christ. We're trying to understand our place in our families. And you know what? If we don't start with love then you're definitely going to have hope for a future. You know, and if faith is trusting in what God has already said, if you don't know He loves you, you definitely know 
that it ain't going to come to pass. There's no hope. If there's no hope, there's not going to be any trust. How many people, if I, t- if I told you I'll give you a million dollars today, how many people has faith that Dusty's going to give a million dollars? Anybody? Because y'all know how much is in my bank account. <laughs> it would be a lie, okay? But I want you to understand that, that there is money in God's bank. I'm going to say that again. There's money in the bank. Jesus gave us the checks and he said, hey, I've already put my name on the bottom. You just got to fill them out on the top, on the top line. You know, every single time that we, that we live a part of our life, when, when we start trying to have the life of God, if we don't start from the basis of love, then we won't have hope. And if we don't have hope, then guess what? You ain't going to trust in what God would do for you. The word just becomes null and void to you. Because you'll read the word and you'll go, well, but, yeah, that's what the word says, but, but. You know, everybody has a but and it stinks, right? Well, this is the the but of the word where it stinks is the fact that if the word says it, but I don't think he's going to do it for me, then it stinks. Because that's not what the word says. You know, if God came for the most dirtiest, awfulest person on the planet, then guess what? He came for you. Amen. You know that in each one of our lives, we get to decide, are we going to choose love? See, the agape kind of love is the love that, and I know Amy always loves it when I, when I say this, but it's, a, it's the love that means a love feast It means it's a choice. I get to choose anything I want to. I use the word smorgasbord just because I like the word. (laughs) But it's a smorgasbord. I get to to choose to love all of the the fruits out here in the, the audience. You know that when I have all that fruit, then I can do something with it. God can do something with it. You know that our soul is a part of that of that whole piece of it. We can get saved today. Everybody, if you didn't get saved before, we can get you saved today. And what happens is you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. That means that the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you, that it gets just recreated. That old things pass away and behold, you get the new. Well, guess what happens? You still got your stinking thinking. You still got your mind, your will, and your emotions that you have to deal with. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, actually tells us this. It says that we can be conformed to the world or be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, if we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, then guess what happens? We get to understand the way God thinks. If we start thinking the way God thinks, man, there's nothing that can stop you. Absolutely nothing that can stop you. There's some of you that doesn't believe that. And I'm going to tell you what, by the end of this, I believe you're going to believe. My, my believer says that you're going to believe what you're going to believe because at the end of it, you're going to believe. You know what? It's just like my knower knows when I know that something is something I'm supposed to know. All right, we're going to move on. Amen. You know what? I don't have to be an English teacher. I married one, okay? So she'll fix it all in the end. Don't worry about it. 
So I wanted to talk to you today, today about the middle part of who we are. Not the Spirit of God and not our body because everybody wants to think about the body. In fact, most of you, when you start praying about something, the first thing you do is you pray about your body. You don't pray about your spirit. I've never heard anybody go and, Lord Jesus, just help my spirit. It's the Spirit of God. Lord Jesus, help yourself. I mean, that would be the way the prayer would go, right? But see, this is the thing. Most of the time we pray for our body or we pray about our situation. And when I say our body, I'm going to give you a real quick definition. Our body is the flesh. It's the concarne, right? My grandfather worked for Ziegler's and he used to sell these chili bricks. And on the side of it, it said chili concarne. It basically meant chili with meat. Well, you're just a piece of meat out here. But you know, this piece of meat that we have out here is our five senses. It's how we interact with the world. It's the, it's the way we, we connect. And so everything in our five senses is how I deal with you and how you deal with me and others. So it's whatever we see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. How many people know that it's hot outside so we got the air conditioner open? I hope y'all all feel the air conditioning. Some parts of me does not feel the air conditioning right now. But I will tell you that our body is typically where everybody's mind is. We, we tilt towards that, towards the carnal, the chili con carne, if you will, of ourselves. Do you know that when every one of us starts to think like this, then we start thinking like Peter. So in Matthew chapter 16, Peter is trying to convince Jesus that he didn't have to die. How many people's read this scripture in Matthew 16? I know Brock and I was talking a little bit about this this morning in these contexts. But let me just say this. Peter had the greatest high and also the greatest low all within like 15, 20 minutes of it. Okay. This would have been the, the I went to church and woo, I got the Holy Ghost. He, he showed me something. And then five minutes later, I'm Satan. Okay. Because what happens is Peter goes and he, and Jesus is asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? And all the disciples are like, I don't want to say it. And Peter goes, Hey, whew, Right here, right here. Okay, Peter, what, what do you say I am? And he goes, I am, you are the Messiah. You're the Christ. And Jesus tells him, he goes, flesh and blood has not told you these things, Peter, but my Father, which is in heaven, man, you've heard from the Holy Ghost. How many people say, man, I'd really love for somebody to tell me, I heard from the Holy Ghost. I hope everybody's hand would go up, but do you know that, that Peter is standing there and he says, hey, that message that Jesus is Lord, that he is Christ, the Messiah, that that's what the church is going to be built on. He even changed his name. He said, this rock, this big rock of the gospel is that Jesus is Lord. But the small rock, Petros, is Peter. And he changed his name because guess what? Peter was one of the building blocks along with the rest of the disciples that helped to propagate that teaching in the world. All right? So we, we catch up there, right? But then a few minutes later, Jesus starts going, Hey guys, I'm going to tell you what, I'm about to die. 
I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be beat. I'm going to have all these different problems. And guess what's going to happen? I'm going to die and I'm going to raise again. And Peter goes, it ain't so, Lord. We will not let you die. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Wow, I just went from I heard the Holy Ghost to now I'm Satan. Do you know that in all of this, we, we see a pattern here. We see a pattern of trying to deal with the Spirit and with the flesh. Peter heard from the Spirit of the Lord. And then all of a sudden his flesh jumps up when Jesus says, Hey, I'm going to die. And it has to be so. Well, you know what happens? Sometimes our flesh will jump out there in front of us. And so Peter was trying to convince Jesus that he didn't have to die. And Jesus then explains the mind of Christ. And so if you don't understand that context, we start trying to apply these scriptures right here to ourselves in a really weird way. Okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say that we're going to run through some of this. And if y'all have any questions about this afterwards, I would love to talk to you about it. But this right here is the way that we have to understand these scriptures is that Jesus was dealing with Peter's flesh in that moment. Matthew 16, 24, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone des- desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What is Jesus talking about? He's like, hey, I just told you I'm going to die on the cross. If any of you says, hey, I want to do that too, come on. But it ain't going to happen. Because y'all ain't there yet. And it says in verse 25, it says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Now, this is the weirdy, weirdy, weirdest scriptures you're ever going to find. Because you're like, well, wait a minute. If I'm trying to save my life, wouldn't I save my life? I mean, why why would I lose my life if if I'm trying to save my life? Well, we've got to understand that there's a couple of issues that, that I think that um, King James and his, and his people decided to use life the same way for different words. Maybe just because the English language doesn't, isn't able to, to handle that with one word. I don't know, but we're going to go through it. Verse 25, it says, Whosoever desires to save, this word is sozo. It means to heal, preserve, or to make whole. It means in your own self, I'm trying to, I'm trying to have the self-help books. How many people have read some Tony Robbins books and some, uh, all these people? And it's like every morning you stand in the mirror and you say, Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. How many people do that? Anybody stand up in the mirror and go, Yes, I can. Well, you know what? It looks stupid, but hey, whatever works for you. But this is not the way that you save your life. In fact, it says here, the word life here is suke. We actually get the word psychology from this word. All of the psychosis and all of those things come from this Greek word. And basically it means Life as it pertains to the soul. And our soul, as I've got it down here, is our mind, our will, and our emotions. See, when we have our mind, our will, and our emotions, those particular things are the things that I believe with, my mind. My will is going, yes, I will, or no, I won't. 
How many people? We got two kids in the back over there. How, I got their parents in here. It's like when you go and say, okay, we're going to go take a bath. And they're like, no, I won't. That's called the will. With my kids, I had to go, I'm about to break your will and we're going to go take a bath. See, this is what I want you to understand is that when our mind, our will, and our emotions get involved, we start having issues if we don't point them in the right direction. How many people know that our mind, the things we know, the the things to be true, that those things typically are not the first things that we run away with, right? I'm going to, I'm almost the way love, uh, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Well, the greatest of these in people's flesh is the emotions. In fact, we are led by our emotions that forces our will to go against the knowledge of God, to go against the knowledge of everything. See, our soul, if we don't flip it on its head and say, I'm going to go after what God has told me, and then I'm going to make my will follow it, and then I'm going to tell my emotions, you have no place here for this. Is it okay to cry and whine and have a pity party? Very short one if you want one. You know, I have a pity party all the time. It's for like five seconds. Lord, why? And then he goes, because you know why. I said. How many people just as a parent you've said, because I said. You know what? God does that to me, because I said. Go, go, look at the, go look at the Word. The Word says that you're supposed to... You know, you're supposed to believe for your healing when there's a problem in your body. The word says that when there's no peace, that I need to put my mind on things that are peaceful. When I have no money, I need to understand that God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know what? I just, those are all the body things. Those are all the body things. How many people pray just like that? You know that in every area of our life, most of the time we're, we're focused on the body and not the will and not the emotions. Because if you can get your will and your emotions right, then your mind, when it comes to the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can go, this is where we go next. The still, small voice can start talking. But if you're crying and whining, and oh, this is awful. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. You're never going to go back to what the Word said. You know, if you have no peace in your life, and I go, what things are you thinking on? Well, you know, I'm I'm really afraid of all the things that are happening in the world, and that's why I watch the news 24 by 7, and I go, whoo, there's a reason. What are you putting your mind on? See, that's what we need to understand, is that when we try to save our life, we're going to lose it. Because we keep going, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to double down. How many people's doubled down on stuff? I have multiple times in my life. You double down on it, and then you just keep doing the wrong thing over and over and over again. That is the, that's the definition of insanity, is that we keep doing the same thing, hoping for a different result. So it says here in verse 25, For whoever desires to save or to make whole his own Life, this life is the soul will lose it. So it would say, for whoever desires to, to basically heal himself uh, of his soul, his mind, will, and emotions will lose it. 
But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, that my sake may mean something. It means that, that in, in Jesus' mind, when he's trying to explain to Peter, he's going, you need to understand the way I think. If you do it for the ways that I'm telling you to do it, then you're going to find life every single time. But if you go back to the world where it's telling you that you're going down and you're never going to make it, well, guess what's going to happen? You're never going to make it. It says in verse 26, it says, For what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The same word. Psyche. Suke, I'm sorry. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in glory of his Father and with his angels. And then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say unto you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. Well, guess what? That's not the second coming. That was when Jesus died on the cross. He was buried for three days. He came back to earth for 40 days. Everybody saw him in his kingdom. He had his new body. He was working and, and operating in those things. And that's what he was doing. And see, Jesus was saying, if we get our mind, our will, and our emotions correct, then you're going to see it, you're going to believe it, and it's going to change your life, and then it's going to change the life of others. And guess what happened? After the cross, it was in, in his resurrection, and all the people who saw it, and everything that happened... We're all sitting here 2,000 plus years later looking at each other in a church talking about Jesus. I got news for you. When an atheist goes, well, you know, it's just a bunch of radicals that decided to, to, to take off. Well, you know, there, there are lots of religions that fail because they had no power and there was nothing behind the name. But the name of Jesus, it's lived for over 2,000 years. You know why? Because there's power in his name. Amen. Remember that if we end up having this kind of life, if we end up having the kind of life where our soul and our spirit are ruling, then we get rid of all the emotional junk. And then what God tells us and the Holy Spirit reveals to us, man, it will just change the way you see life. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Jesus and his body, because, you know, I was talking to, to Brock and Brock was like, you know, I didn't know that Jesus had a problem with going to the cross. Well, he did. His body, his flesh actually for a little while was like, ah, how many people know if you were going to be nailed to a cross, you'd probably be going, ah, you know, he sweated blood. You know, most of the time we think about that and we just go, oh, well, that was just a part of the story. But Jesus was a man just like we were. He had a flesh. He had a mind, a will, and emotions. And he had to get it under the power of God. In fact, it says in John chapter 12, verse 23, it says, But when Jesus answered and said to them, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So he's saying, if I go and I die, there's going to be a harvest later on. It's going to be awesome. And that's what happened. 
You know, I've said this before. If Jesus had stayed on the earth and he just remained in perpetuity on, then if you wanted to go talk to Jesus, it would have taken you months. There was an actual guy who calculated it. If Jesus sat in the middle of Jerusalem and you just wanted to make an appointment with him, it would take you months to talk to him for one minute. But you know what? When he died and he went to heaven, he became, he went and created his kingdom. You can talk to him anytime. You're not having to go and schedule an appointment with flesh and blood. In fact, it says in verse 25, it says, He who loves his life. So this is the same exact set of verses, but in John, it says, He who loves his, his soul will lose it. But he who hates his life, his soul in this world, will keep it for eternal life. And this word is zoe. It means that it's a lifetime. It's, it's a time period. In fact, it's the same word that is used in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever shall believe in Him shall have everlasting life. And see, everlasting life means that He's going to go fix the things that you had problems with before you got saved and He's going to go fix the things all the way through eternity. And see, we need to understand this because that's not what happened in your flesh. It's what happened in your mind. You know, our mind, our will, and our emotions, they get run away with every day because of things that happen to us. How many people have said, well, you know, when I was a kid, I, was, I had this bad thing happen to me. I've heard plenty of people throughout my ministry and throughout my time that they are they are hurt because of something that happened 30, 40 years ago. Well, you know what? It's going to drag them down the rest of their life. It's going to keep them from moving forward. They're not going to be able to save themselves through that issue. How many people knows if I double down on an issue, it's not going to get better? Whenever somebody says, well, we just need to talk about it more. Let's talk about it more. How many people have gotten in an argument with them and said, well, I'm not through talking about it. We've talked about it for months. Well, guess what? If I talk about it for months, then guess what's going to happen? We're just going to keep talking about it for more months. Because once we understand whatever it is, there's nothing else you can save that situation for. There are things that you've done and there's things that people's done to you that you can't fix. You can't undo it. I can't get in my time machine and go back to 1955, right? We were watching Back to the Future when we were on vacation. And, you know, we were all talking about the, the things that we could go change and everything else. Well, guess what? You can't change it. That's, that's actually what the movie's about, by the way, is that every time they went to go change it, it changed the future. Well, you know what? There are some things that happen to you and that you are a, that, that God is now, because of that situation, He uses it for the good of those who love Him. If you went back and changed it, you wouldn't have that, that opportunity, those people. You know, there's a lot of things in my life. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have gotten into the Word of Faith message. And then I wouldn't have gotten into the Grace and Faith message. And I definitely, when I was, when I was 16, 17 years old, I did not want to do this. 
How many people when you're 16 or 17 was like, yeah, I want to start a church? There's not many, okay? But see, this is the thing is that in our own mind through our lifetime, we need to understand that you have a soul and your mind, your will, and your emotions is a part of that soul. They need to follow God. If they don't follow God, then guess what? You're going to keep trying to fix your own thing and you're going to lose all the people that are around you because you're going to just keep talking. I'm just talking. You know what? Sometimes you got to shut up, move on. And that's what the Word of God is trying to do, is it's trying to move us in the right direction. Jesus, in the way he was thinking, was don't take the old stuff and bring it with you. There's a lot of people riding around with a U-Haul with all the stuff in the back that they used to have. It's like, woo, I got all the hurt back there. Y'all want to see some of it? You know, one of the first things when somebody says, when, when they find out I'm a minister, especially at work, and hey, I, you know, yeah, because some of them go, well, hey, do you know Dusty's got a church? And people go, like, no. Well, then later on, they'll come to me and they want to tell me all their problems. And I'm like, this is not a confessional. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not like, bless you, son. You know, because I don't need to know it. But see, it makes people feel good to, it makes their flesh feel good. How many people know that, I hear women say this all the time. Women don't get upset at me. I still don't understand this one. But I just wanted a good cry. <laughs> How many people just wanted a good cry? They put on a movie, the notebook or whatever. I just, I just wanted to go cry for an hour. And then afterwards it's like, oh, I just felt so much better after that cry. I was like, you know what? I usually don't feel good after a cry. In fact, I feel worse after the cry. But, you know, the thing is, is that that's the way we do things in our flesh is that it makes us feel because it's nostalgic. It brings me back to a place. You know, Heather and I are in a time where one of, you know, my daughter back there and son-in-law, they're out there doing their own thing. You know, I want to, as a parent, I want to go fix everything. I just like, can I, can I go fix it all? But guess what? They got to live their own life. I got a son. He's 17. He'll be a senior this year at Thompson. I'm like, woo, this is going to be great. But you know what? There's been a whole lot more times where me and Heather are going, we're about to be alone. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, you know, and, and the thing is, is that it's, it's more yee-haw. But do you know that, do you know that there's, there's people that I work with, they had kids and they go all the way through their time and when their kids move out, they get a divorce because they, they didn't have any time with each other. And so they cry about they grew up and they didn't do the right things or, or whatever it was and they spend all of their life trying to obtain the thing they had when their kid was one year old. Guess what? God has more for you. In fact, it says here in verse 26, it says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, that their servant, um, my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, uh, my father will honor. Verse 27 says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But, so, you know, we all have buts. 
But Jesus's was always clean. I don't understand it. See, whenever Jesus had a pity party, he would go, he would go, Lord, can you take this from me? Oh my God, it's it's going to be bad. And then he would go, but it you know it's your will, it's not mine. And he says, but for this purpose, I came for this hour. So Jesus cleans it up at the end. See, if we started thinking like Jesus, then we would go and say, Lord, it's bad, but your word says. You know what? You'd have a less stinky butt if you did that. In fact, it says right here in verse 28, it says, Father, glorify your name. Then the voice came from heaven and said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. You know that this is one of the things is that Jesus was trying to say, look, I don't care about my body. Yes, I'm not going to enjoy going to the cross. There was nothing enjoyable about going to the the cross. You know what? There's nothing enjoyable about going to your work and being peace in your situation. There's nothing enjoyable about going into your family and being peace in your family. Because you're going to have to be the one that says, I can't respond the way I want to respond. In fact, we start getting into death if we do that. And our lives will not reflect the love that we have for our family and for, and for the people that are around us. In fact, in 1 John chapter 3, in fact, 1 John chapter 3, a lot of people try to apply, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. That's not what this means. This has nothing to do with love thy neighbor as yourself. Go back and read love thy neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is everybody that's around you. It doesn't mean that he's your brother in Christ. It doesn't mean he's a family member. It doesn't mean anything. It means that it could be of the world. It could be an atheist. It could be whatever. We love our neighbor as ourselves. This right here actually starts out in 1 John chapter 3 where he says that it's the love of the father towards the children to be able to help them through what the world is putting towards them. If you go back and read the whole chapter, it's about being children of God and it's about the world. And this is a culmination of that chapter where it comes back down and we start talking about how we interact with each other because guess what? I need you and you need me. You need each other. Because there's going to be times where you don't have the strength in yourself to be able to do the things that you need to do. And you need people. You need people to build you up. You know, you go find a Christian and he's like, well, you know, yeah, it looks bad. And I'm just going to believe it's going to be bad for you. Go find another Christian. Go find somebody that will believe with you. In fact, in verse verse 13, it says, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you, We know that we have passed from death unto life. So this word death is Thanos. How many people have seen the Marvel movies? Thanos. It's the Greek word for death. It was his name. Okay. That's why I've got the gauntlet. If y'all have never seen it, that's fine. I'm not suggesting you go watch the movies. But the thing I want you to understand is Thanos was trying to destroy half of the population of all worlds. That's why they called him death. Do you know that that is what's happening in our own lives? Is that once we've passed from death into life, we don't need no more gauntlets that we're going back and saying, I'm going to destroy half my life with one snap of my finger by going back 
to the craziness that I came from. See, we need to understand that life is something that we get and we don't go poo-poo on our own life. Can I say poo-poo in church? That was something I could do. Anyway, I didn't say something else, so everybody just calm down. But see, the thing is, is that the end of a life, the separation of the body... See, that's what we end up happening is we need to separate ourselves. In fact, Jesus would actually say stuff like, kill your body. Put down the old man. Paul would say that over and over and over again. He would say, I put down the old man. I kill him daily. You know why? Because the old man is what I see out here in my five senses. Man, I hear it's getting bad. I see the bad stuff that's happening. Man, it's, it's becoming a part of my life. Well, guess what? If that's the way you live your life, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to only see the bad stuff. You're not going to see the good stuff. In fact, it says right here, it says, Because we love the brethren of the family, he who does not love his brother abides in death. That old life. You know, there's a lot of people that are Christians that are good Christians that I don't like. You know, personalities still happen when, I mean, you know, I, I, people go, well, I got saved and my personality changed. No, it didn't. You still have the same personality. We don't go and do the same things. There's people that go and hunt and do stuff, and I don't go do that. I don't like it, right? But I don't strive for like. I'm going to say it again. I don't strive for like. Because if I strive for like, then there would probably be nobody in here that I would like everything that you did. Right? I want you to understand what I'm saying here. See, like is something that we, that, that we aspire to, that we believe in, that, we, that I want to do myself. But see, love is a choice. And when I love somebody, man, I move from life to death over and over and over and over with them. See, I can like somebody and they can be just the biggest heathen you ever saw. An atheist never believed in God. I can like them. There's plenty of them. I, I love to listen to people who play guitar. Half of them are unbelievers. They're taking drugs. They're sleeping around. They're doing all these other things. But I listen to their, their music and I think, man, that's great. But you know what? That doesn't, that doesn't show that through the family, if I don't like something, that means I can still love. And it says right here, it says, He who does not love his brother abides in death. So when we get that like and that love, it starts tearing up relationships. And some of the best relationships I've had with people who are Christians that I didn't like, the stuff they do, not because it was evil or anything like that. It's just we didn't have anything in common. You know, some of them are the ones that have spoken into my life the most. So I need to live for love with them. I choose to love them. We don't have anything in common, but you know what? Sometimes they come out with some of the greatest things for my life when I'm talking to them. And it says here in verse 15, Whoever hates his brother... This is a family member of God, by the way, is a murderer. Whoa, that's pretty strong. And you who that that and you know that no murderers has eternal life 
abiding in Him. Now, I want to I preface, or I, I'm going I'm to say that before we got to the murder piece of it, I explained that when we don't like or we don't love our brother, what we do is we start destroying our life. Now, I'm going to say that again, but I'm going to say it a little bit differently. Do you know that when I have life with people, you know that I can murder that life? My soul, I can come in and create all the excuses. You know what? I don't like you, Dusty, because you, know, you don't say the things I want you to say or you see things a little bit differently or whatever. But yeah, you're, you, know, you, do, you do love the Lord but I'm going to kill this relationship. We do it all the time with lots of people. In fact, the people that, that are sometimes the most helpful to us, we drive the biggest wedges between us. See, this is one of the things I want you to understand is that in order to have that eternal Zoic, the, the sozo kind of life, the, the kind of life where we, where we move and breathe, it's not talking about just going to heaven. It didn't say anything about heaven, right? I mean, we get eternal life just by accepting Jesus Christ. I can live for the next 50 years and I still have eternal life, right? Oh, please tell me that this makes sense to y'all because if not, I might have to go back and teach on eternal life, okay? Okay. See, this is the thing. No murderers get eternal life. It means that I start killing my life off right now. It means I start living a life of hell on earth. And I can can have been saved. See, this is what Jesus is trying and was trying to tell us in John and, and both in Matthew chapter 16 was he was trying to say, man, you're trying to save your life. You're trying to, you're trying to save all the good people and all the, the people you thought was good and you want to get rid of all the people that you don't like because there was a lot of them that started not liking Jesus. And you go, well, no, they, all the disciples loved Jesus, didn't they? Well, who went and got the 30 shackles of silver? Who was the one that when... when Basically, Mary Magdalene broke the box and started pouring the, the oil over Jesus, started screaming the loudest. You know why? Because his, uh, because his money was going to start drying up if Jesus died. Well, how do I get one last payday out of this trick pony? See, he liked Jesus because of what it brought him, but he didn't love Jesus. That's one of the reasons why Jesus said it would have been worse for him not to have been born because it was not anything that he did where he went and got the silver and ratted him out because he didn't kill Jesus. In fact, they would have found Jesus, by the way. They didn't need, they didn't need him. That was a secondary story, by the way. That just showed you the heart of Judas. See, the heart of Judas was that he was looking for the paycheck. He, he liked Jesus as long as Jesus brought in the money. But the moment that Jesus said, hey, all this is going to come to an end and there's going to be a new thing, I'm going to go get one last paycheck out of him. Okay, I'm going to move on. I know that was probably 
Some That might have been a new twist in some of y'all's tassel, but I want you to understand that there is a point that we need to understand that in everything in our lives, are we doing it because of the paycheck? Are we doing it because of what we get out of people? Are we doing it because it brings something to our flesh? Or do I love people unconditionally because that's what I know to do in my spirit? It says in verse 16, it says, By this we know love because he who laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. So these, there's a couple of these, there's a scripture here I want to use, but you know our words and actions can cause life and death. It can cause it in our families. It can cause it in our situations. It can cause it in everything that we do. In fact, in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It means that not the ones that like it, but the ones that choose it. I choose to eat from the tree. I choose to eat what is good. Amen? Amen. Last one. Matt, you can go ahead and start heading up here. We're going we're gonna to start closing it down because everybody's wanting some chicken. I can, I can see it on your faces. Y'all been, last five minutes, you've been going, where's the chicken? I showed up for chicken this morning. So in third, in third John chapter one verse two, it says, "Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers." Do you know that you can't have health in your body? You can't have health in your relationships. You can't have health in anything if your mind, will, and emotions are going nuts. In fact, if you can't get your mind, will, and emotions in check, it's a runaway train. In fact, everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. If you say, raise your hand if you say that, that Dusty, I need prayer for this. And I'm not going to bring you up here, but I want to pray a prayer. But I want people to acknowledge to God right this minute that there are things in my life that I need to get my mind, my will, and my emotions under control because they're taking me away from the good things. Amen. There's some hands out there, but I think there's more. And I think that there's people that need to state right now when we pray this prayer, they need to go, Jesus, I believe because there are times and seasons that Jesus is going to take us through that's going to repair everything that has happened to you. It's going to repair it. Father, we come to in Christ Jesus' name. All the people who raised their hand, Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you are showing them not only in the word, but also through deeds and actions. That Holy Spirit, you're bringing to their remembrance things and helping them to to, to prosper, Father, in their soul so that it brings health to their body, health to their finances, health to the people that are around them, health in their family, health in their job. I thank you, Father, that they are seeing it right now, that, they, that every time their emotions creep up and start saying no, that you will help them by the Holy Spirit to say emotions no in the name of Jesus. I will follow the will of God and not my own will. And Father, I pray over each and every person that's in here.
I pray for the people that are listening this morning. I pray that there is a revelation in their heart about where they need to go next and and what they need to do, that they don't need to be stagnant anymore, that they don't need to sit back and sit on the sidelines, that they can get in the middle of this. They can change their world. They can actually take up their own cross and they can go through their life changing the world that is around them. That they don't have to listen to the news. They don't have to listen to the things that are trying to tell them that they are going down and that they're never going to have enough. But that they can know that they can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens them. That you supply all of their needs by your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. That you bring peace that passeth all understanding. That it's in their hearts and minds. And that perfect love casts out all fear. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that there is a revelation that is renovating their their mind, their will, and their emotions right now in Jesus' name. And I pray, dear Lord, for for them to to be able to not only believe this and speak this over themselves, but they're going to go into their own world and they're going to teach others how to do it. Amen, amen. And Father, I pray over this food and this fellowship that we're about to have. I pray, dear Lord, over the food that it is blessed. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front. If not, go get you some chicken.